0: This is ESPN New Hampshire, WGAM Manchester, WGHM Nashua.
1: This is going out for uh, young Mr. Smith's Uncle Joe over here.
0: A banjo legend. So do us a big favour, the Greek theatre. Get your dancing shoes on, Mr. Bob Schmidt on the banjo! time in history and the first time in the American League a pitcher has won the Cy Young Award without receiving the most first place votes. The Red Sox Rick Porcello on the strength of 18 second place votes outpointed Justin Berlander 137 to 132.
2: It's unbelievable. I got my family standing here. I don't think they know yet. <laughs> He's got Bradley with him. Finds him.
3: Well, the defense has done
2: it. Tell me how good that guy is, will you? Oh, good strip by Smart. Gets it ahead. Isaiah to the basket for two.
0: What an incredible diving catch by Mookie Betts out in right field. Lead on the Jackie Bradley homer. And there's a high deep drive by Mookie Betts. Merrifield back. Track wall and kiss it goodbye. High fly driven deep to left as it's rising up. It's gone. Just like that one to nothing. Mookie strikes. High deep drive. sock to left. That one carrying way, way back. And it is. Shot and the Red Sox have the lead on opening game. Here's the throw to third. The tag, he is out of third base. Right, mookie, mookie bets.
1: to the Stretch Run on a Thursday here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy. Justin Sullivan working the boards here, doing a great job as always. Ah, it's, it's been one of those days, I think, for a few of us here at the station today. But, uh, you know, we'll send that one out to our colleague, uh, Laura Staylock. That's for her. After the request she made to me earlier. She knows what I'm talking about. Anyhow, one of those days. But uh, we get through we get through. I was good. I was going to go with Limp Biscuit. Yeah. Just one of those days to open, but I <laughs> yeah, figured that put us in a worse mood. Yeah. So, nothing like Flogging Molly live. I urge everyone there if they ever get the chance to go see them, they are a treat. Whether you're into I'm Irish... i just watching it right
2: now. That, they, Whether you're into Irish-themed
1: in. <laughs> music uh, or punk, whatever, it, it doesn't matter. If you appreciate music, go see them. Yeah, you, you can see all the instruments. And energy. Just pure and energy. Unbelievable energy. Absolutely. That guy in the banjo is unreal, too, Joe. He's uh, he's something else. But uh, good stuff there. And uh, we have got a great show in store for you. We've actually got a special treat today for all you Monarchs fans and hockey fans in the area. Uh We seem to have treats for hockey fans every day, huh? Don't we, Sally? Yeah, pretty much. You you come up with some things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We definitely represent the game of hockey on Uh, the stretch run. And we've got more uh, hockey delight for you today. Uh, We will be talking to Joe Haggerty uh, of Comcast Sports New England. He's out in Minnesota, I believe, covering the Bruins Wild. I'm not technically sure he's out there, but... Nonetheless, he does a great job covering the Bruins. We'll get his take on the wild Bruins today and the road trip that has been for the Boston Bruins. But we'll also talk some Bruins in NHL news. You heard the boys talking about the uh, NHL's sort of uh, sneaky... Ultimatum. S- ultimatum, or a <laughs> yeah. way of allowing the players to play at the Olympics in 2018. They're going to, if the players uh, don't opt out of the CBA, which they were going to, I can tell you that right now. <laughs> that was... a that was a lock, no pun intended, because uh-huh. there was going to be either a strike or a lockout. Uh, people forget who the who the uh, head of the NHLPA is right now. Donald I strike fear. <laughs> there you go in the hearts of owners. Yeah, and he's he's well known to have work stoppages, and that's his way of doing things. And they were already planning on it. So you know, for uh, I'll get into it later. I'll vent about it later. Uh, but quickly, just want to say. I know that Kinger on Christian King was just uh, sort of painting it as the as the NHL the bad guys here. Not so fast, but we'll get into that in our next segment with Billy Jaffe of NHL Network and Nesson. Uh, we'll discuss that, some other NHL news, and the Bruins. I want to get his take too on just a, a absolute debauchery of a performance by the Pittsburgh Penguins, the defending Stanley <laughs> Cup champions. Um, I don't know. Seven. I don't know if they went to some um, like Hillary Clinton secret <laughs> drinking party the night before <laughs> to wallow in their sorrows uh, that Donald Trump is president. I have no <laughs> idea. Or maybe they went to a VIP Trump party uh, in D.C. somewhere. But I, I have no. They were sitting there waiting for the Capitals to come home uh, after a loss in Columbus the night before, and they got lit up. Was it 6 nothing was the final say? Uh, seven. Seven. Oh, excuse me. I forgot a goal. They just kept going in. And uh one thing I want to ask Billy about. Oh, we got some clips from this embarrassment. Well, this game. is held by
0: the captain ahead. now here comes Backstrom. Backstrom, the shot. He <laughs> His fourth point of the night. Two goals and two assists. Seven goals.
1: Wow. Okay, so I (laughs) lost count. I mean, I I I I lost count after five. (laughs) I was uh, I was uh, meeting a a friend uh, for for a drink in um, Davis Square in Somerville, and we were in we were in a place that had TVs. And after five goals, I'm like, enough of this. We went (laughs) next door to an Irish pub, and uh, they don't have TVs in there. They just have nice Irish sessions. I just got lost in that. So. Uh, but anyhow, we'll talk to uh, Billy Jaffe, like I said, of NHL Network and Nesson about that. Also, as I was texting Sully last night, interesting how Mark andre Flurry switched his goalie mask to pretty much all white. Very much white. <laughs> which means, like, neutral, I'm ready to go to whatever team you send yeah. me to because he is definitely on the trade block. Uh, so we'll get maybe some trade rumors as well from Billy. Uh, and then we got just such a show, but like I said, a big hockey treat at the end, and that is the Manchester Monarchs will be joining us uh, here in studio. In studio, Kevin Morris and Craig Wizermiski. I did it first yeah, try. That was pretty good. Thank you to Matt Johnson for putting the pronunciation in parentheses there. <laughs> uh will be joining us here of the Manchester Monarchs to uh, celebrate Mullet Night tomorrow night. Uh, We've got some tickets as well So we will uh, be giving off tickets in the final hour To the uh, Manchester Monarchs game tomorrow Against the Reading Royals They beat them uh, yesterday morning here in Manchester They host them again tomorrow and Saturday Uh, So in to talk about uh, Mullet Night And also share their experience of how they've been affected by cancer as well Because that's what Mullet Night is for Is to raise uh, awareness and charity money for uh, cancer, and of course we all have, I have, I'm sure you have, yeah, Sully, everyone's been touched, d- by it. touched by that, and uh, we can all relate, so that'll be great to have them in studio, we'll talk about their season thus far, uh, and what they think going ahead in the season, uh, but in between Jaffe and the Monarchs players here in studio, uh, we will talk some football of course, because we're getting close to the weekend, and our man Mario Magola, of sportfolio.com. will come on to break down the Thursday night football game tonight, and that is the Saints at the Carolina Panthers in NFC South Showdown. Both teams coming off a loss last week. The Saints to the Broncos, the Panthers to the Chiefs. Might actually get a good game. Both games they should have had. Uh, and, yes, you're right. We this could be a great a game. game here on Thursday you know? night. Interested in the uh, color rush as well. Uh, we will talk tomorrow about that game and a few other games as well. And then we'll talk some Patriots uh, with Mike Giardi of CSNNE.com. And, of course, Gronk, has he's staying home.
2: Staying home from what it sounds like.
1: He's got a gig with his uh, Bon Jovi cover band. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess, yeah, he's playing down in Providence. That's what I've heard. It's a secret location.
2: Other things going on. A.K.A. Looking,
1: his man cave. He's a little busy. No. Uh, punctured lung and all. He has to save that up for his singing career <laughs> after the— uh, the football career is over. And, you know, people are going to say that uh, this is kind of... It is a jab. I'm not, not yeah. going to hide behind it. Yeah. Here's a news flash for, you know, football fans that don't follow hockey. Uh, back in 2013, in the Stanley Cup Finals hmm. against the Chicago Blackhawks, and Bruins like- assistant captain, Patrice Bergeron, played game five and six. <laughs> yes. With a punctured lung. A separated shoulder. Go on. And two broken ribs. And God knows what else. That was all that was reported. But, <laughs> and he didn't have a week to recover in between. About a day. He had a day, one a half of one which was spent traveling. Um, And then he didn't do the game day skate, but he played in the games. I'm just saying. Just throwing that out there. That's all. No big deal. Of course not.
2: <laughs> it's not a shot. Just,
1: just facts. And it's not a shot at Gronk, necessarily. It's a shot at the sport. Yeah. These so-called rough and tumble football players. <laughs> so, that's all. Anyhow, we'll talk to Mike Giardi, and I'll ask him about that, see what he thinks. If, uh, you know, maybe Gronk should be toughing it out. But everyone will say no. We got these easy games ahead for the Patriots. These Rest are these are just cupcake games. San Francisco, and the Jets. San Fran.
2: Come on, you don't need them for San Fran.
1: You know what? I heard these cocky Pat's fans saying the same thing last <laughs> year, heading into Philly, in the Philly game in Foxborough, or heading into the Miami game down in Miami. It doesn't mean anything. No big deal. Save them for when it counts. Every game counts, meatheads. Every game. But the Patriots, unlike the Bruins, don't. The Bruins don't have another Patrice Bergeron. The Patriots do have not another Gronk, but as close as Gronk. The Black Unicorn. As close as Gronk as you'll get. Yeah, oh yeah. And that's the Black Unicorn, Martellus Bennett. And did he speak today? He spoke today. There wasn't anything. Nothing notable. Nothing notable,
2: nothing funny. It was kind of just a boring little locker room thing. And the the sound quality was pretty bad, too. So I would have grabbed audio, but it was just, you could hear. Every other wall, it's like the guy was standing in everyone's locker, and you mm. can hear conversations from mm. fifteen different people. But no, nothing notable today, nothing funny. That kind of seems like, like you. You said to me that kind of seems like they put the clamps on him this week. Yeah,
1: I think. Well, I no, I think the and, clamps and, are on him for the rest of the. Especially forward, now too. that he's going to be the starter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I mean, going forward, the clamps are going to be on him. Yeah. I mean, you get you're we're getting in the second half, and you know, like I said, the uh, the cocky Patriots media and fans may want to look at these games as cupcakes, but I'm sure Bill Belichick's not, and. uh He's gonna make sure that the players don't give that, especially after off. last year. Yeah, with Philly, that's that exactly. Was,
2: especially against Chip Kelly, that was just terrible. It was terrible, and it was their own doing too. It was part of it was their own doing the, the uh, the drop kick, all of that stuff. Yep. So I think, especially after losing last week, there's a whole new focus. You can tell by all the cuts I'm getting. It. They're just they're they're loaded. They're do, you think, do
1: you think Chip Kelly, when they're out there for warmups, uh, hasn't played like drop kick Murphys? <laughs>
2: <laughs> they should. Uh, good one. They should try that. I'm mean, not? Really? Because it, that's what it was. Is you, you're up 14-0 at the half. You do the drop kick to come out, and then they smacked you the rest of the way. Yeah. That's like a drop kick with your rugby player is like a definition of disrespectful smack in the face. Like, oh, you're gonna do that to us now? Okay. If I was on the Eagles, and that happened to me, I would get so mad. Like, yeah. you, you really don't respect us that much that you're gonna try to drop kick on us? Okay, we'll take it to you. And they did. They absolutely did. So. It'll well, be interesting to see this week.
1: Like I said, we got Mike Giari to talk about that, and then you and I can talk some football, and we will make our NFL make picks. picks. I'm ready to go. At 425, I am not. I'm just going to wing it. That's why I'll probably do well for once, because they don't list, think about yeah. it. Uh, we we're going to get Chris Forsberg to talk about the Celtics last night. We do not have him now, but you and I can go over the game. Uh, Isaiah Thomas has to be a top MVP candidate <laughs> this early in the season. Because he's about the only that's Celtics that's showing up.
2: That's that's all I gotta say. It's it's Isaiah Thomas. That's it. I, you want to be happy
1: about that win? Go ahead. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not either. <laughs> I turned it off after the second uh, quarter. I mean, like, what did Jeff Hickman and I say? Yeah. Like they should kill this team. Yeah. And absolutely. They, but they don't, and that's why he they cautioned have, me. He they, said, "No, don't, I don't like them by six and a half." Yeah.
2: Don't put don't put anything on it. You know, they, last night I'm watching this game and you get to the second quarter and it was the worst play bas- watching it worst played basketball I've ever the most sloppy basketball and it was the bench so who do they think they are and and it's the bench so everyone goes oh well the injuries the injuries affect them and I get that because now you got two of your best bench players starting Marcus Smart Kelly Linick that's cool the sloppiness that was horrible I had to shut it
1: off I turned yeah, it, it off it's, it's I turned ridiculous. it off with like,
2: like 8 minutes to go in the second quarter I said I will catch it at the end
1: and see this is where you almost want them to get blown out of the yeah. building Oh yeah, and lose like lose, five in, in a they row. They gotta lose one of these games. Yeah, one of these games. No, but you that, want them to, yeah, because you then then the, the heat's gonna up. come exactly. and then the coach will snap, and all hell will break loose, and and you'll see what they're made of. Until then, they're sort of just you know they're they're
2: rolling around. They're just rolling around. Yeah,
1: they know they they're treading water. I don't know who they think they are, but. <laughs> <laughs> they're not contenders right now. All so I want is somebody other than not
2: named Isaiah Thomas to score some points. And Avery yeah. Bradley, and it was really Isaiah Thomas and Avery Bradley last night.
1: Can someone that, else hey, come into why it? Why was Danny Ainge trending on Twitter today? That's a good question. I know there was a story on Comcast where he was talking about uh, Thomas and Bradley, and he was saying that they're the best backcourt tandem in basketball. That might be it.
2: And, that, and that's you know, widely uh, thought of throughout uh, the league. Was that a bold statement? I mean— Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry's probably enough too. to be trending. Yeah, that would be old enough to okay. be trending. You know, I, I don't know if I exactly agree with them. Yeah, uh, I think that they're very good. I think Avery Bradley's very good defensively, and he's improved his offensive game. As for the start of this year, he's averaging like 18 points a game, which is not what anyone thought of Avery Bradley when he was drafted. But Steph Curry and Clay Thompson are pretty good. They can play. They can put up some points. So I don't know. That's probably what it has to do with that. And also, there's a lot of trade rumors going around. And anytime there's trade rumors going around usually involves the Celtics and Danny Age. And okay. Danny Age is known to make those trades.
1: One thing I want to tell our listeners, too, uh, by the way, when the players do come in, we are going to be uh, sporting the mullets. And I will oh, yeah. put one on with uh, pictures. with the players there for will sure. Be so we will get that out on, on Twitter. Uh, I, Kevin Morris, uh, Craig uh, and myself will be wearing some mullets, uh, doing our best Hanson Brothers imitations here. So looking forward to that. Got a good lineup in store. We got a couple more open segments than we usually do, Justin. So we can banter about the Celtics and and the uh the Patriots and uh you know, like yeah. I, I, I think that I don't know. It's just this this fandom lately around well not lately, in the past few years. It's like you thought last year would have taught Patriots fans a yes. lesson. Don't and, look past anyone.
2: And and don't look past home field and don't look past any game. Yeah. You know, and, and you're definitely doing it now. Colin Kaepernick has the, the same. We I mean, were talking skill with somebody set. today. Yeah. We won't
1: name them and throw them under the bus, but he said, oh, big deal, Miami, whatever. Yeah. Oh. Praying well, pretty well right now. Mean the team won four straight. team that's, <laughs> uh, who was it? Was it Eric Edholm was pointing out yeah. to us, has knocked out the last five quarterbacks they played against? Yeah. Knocked them out of the game. That defense, you're not worried about that? Considering, oh, who does your team revolve? Oh, your quarterback. No big deal. I, I, and he's already playing hurt, so you know that game's not for a while. But
2: <laughs> there's some games here that you have
1: to show. Miami's up. no cupcake. here. You can't just walk. And the you, Jets are going to play. You for can't pride. Just walk to Miami and walk yeah. into
2: Miami and say hey, we're going to win this game. Yeah. Same
1: thing with the Jets. You can't. You don't and, and think the, the other Jets thing, have pride? I'm looking at this game in San Francisco right now. Uh, with Tom Brady, you know he's going back home. Same with Edelman. Right. Same with Edelman. Okay, but but I mean, you know, yeah. it's a. No offense to Edelman, it's It's a a, different situation. It's a way bigger story. And do you know how many interview requests he has? Do you know how many ticket requests he has? Plus, how many outside family parties and friend parties he's going to have to go to, and dinners and everything while he's there. That's a lot of distraction for a guy that doesn't like that at all. And a coach doesn't like that. Has an injury, but you know he's going to have to do it because it's family. Yeah. So you know, just I think they win. But just be careful. That's all. So we'll get into that later on the show here. But like I said, a great lineup in store. We're going to talk some NHL and some Bruins next with Billy Jaffe of NHL Network and Nesson. And more flogging Molly here. And Laura, if you're listening, I hope this cheers you up. We love you. We'll be back here on The Stretcher On on ESPN New Hampshire. Stay with us.
0: it all here on ESPN New Hampshire.
2: A lot of it is uh, maintenance. You know, this is going to happen
0: every every time, I guess, this year is there's guys are going to miss because of the maintenance. Uh, Pastanak is not better today, so we were not going to let him go on the ice. And I
2: don't know, the, I'd say it's day-to-day right now, uh, uh, to his maintenance.
1: Welcome back to The Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. Jimmy Murphy, your host. Justin Sullivan working the boards. Little replacements since they're from Minnesota. And the Boston Bruins are in the state of Minnesota right now, or a.k.a. the state of hockey, to play the Minnesota Wild tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern. Hopefully closing the trip out with another win. And they head back here to Boston take on the Winnipeg Jets on Saturday. And on to talk about that and some NHL news with us now is Billy Jaffe of Nesson and NHL Network. How you doing, Billy?
0: Hey, Jimmy, good. How are you?
1: I'm good, man. Do you remember the replacements? You, you're you around that age group, right?
0: Uh, That's a kind way of saying I'm older. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I am, damn it. I do remember them. All right. Uh, yeah, hey, I, I me do. too, man. I, I, yeah, I, I remember them. I, uh, I wasn't, I mean, not against them. You know, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't say they
1: were my favorite. They man, were just right? there for you. They were just there, yeah. I. I you know, I had yeah. to play some Minnesota music, so I had I'd already used up a lot of Prince and other stuff, uh, Soundgarden. Isn't Dylan, isn't
0: Dylan from there? Should've he is, Min- yeah, I
1: should have went with some Dylan, but then that could make you feel really old, though, eh?
0: <laughs> or really mellow you know, <laughs> yeah, then... you, know, you know i'm not a huge dylan fan either i just remember him from minnesota and being from minnesota yeah. here's here's a little something for you you might know this what's the state soup of minnesota
1: i do not know what is it
0: come on jim it, come on minnesota wild rice soup i mean how do you how, oh. you can't go anywhere you go to a convenience store they're serving wild rice soup and it's got like 200 gallons of cream and butter with it, so (laughs) it's also serving you a heart attack. But it's Minnesota wild rice soup. I will have to try that. It's actually good. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. I mean, how could it be bad? Wild rice, chicken, or turkey and cream. Nice. How bad could it be? Exactly.
1: Yeah, Yeah, tell that to the doctors, right? Anyhow, my friend, uh, I know you're uh, going to be on Nesson tonight.
0: Uh, yes, or somebody that looks a little like me. Absolutely, <laughs> I will be on it tonight. Uh, by the By the way,
1: it. you're getting a lot of flack for your uh, your Movember stash, and I want to I want to defend you right now. I like it, and I I, I like the spirit. Uh, you know, I don't. I, I mean, why 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 criticize somebody that's doing something for charity? I don't get that.
0: I don't. I, um. Here's the funny thing. It's like it's one of those things. I, it's like mushrooms. You either love them or you hate them, and I think that's what, and I think that's what's happened with the whole Movember thing. You know, I'm not a big fan of shaving every day. First of all, to begin with, but I, I do during the season normally. But but anyway, um, I've grown out the stash. I got the little. It's not chin music. It's a little uh, under the, the the bottom lip thing. And there's a there's a certain name for it, and there's another name.
3: Yes,
1: for it. And I will. Um, and, a, this and, is a and, rated I, G know, station. <laughs>
0: exactly. No, I know. I understand that. So, I know I'm going. I mean, some people actually. I somebody yesterday say uh, they think it's very hip, and I'm. I wouldn't consider myself the ultimate hip guy. And then other people have said you gotta, you gotta lose that. And I'm like, you know what? Just stop it. Like people spend more time worrying about craft that isn't important. But anyway, thank you.
1: Yeah. Quickly, t- I did it two years ago when I was living up in Montreal, and you know, I it was, I was a regular. Yeah, I'm sure you've been to McLean's ever in Montreal on Peel Street. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I was always down, you know, and like uh, the waitresses were just giving me hell for the, like you look, you look like a really bad porn star, and uh, I don't know, we won't get into yeah. whatever bad porn star is, but you know, uh, yeah. so when What's November ended, star? I was literally there on November thirtieth. I think it was a Sunday. And I went in to watch the Patriots game, and they came out. And they all cheered, and they pulled out shaving cream and razors, and put me up on the bar and shaved it. And they're like, "That's enough of this. That's it. It's gone." So it's Uh-oh. yeah, it it, it definitely yeah, causes know, a response for sure.
0: <laughs> I guess. That, listen, not to get serious, but my um about a year and a half, two years ago, my daughter was diagnosed with some childhood epilepsy. Oh, geez. Which thankfully she's doing well. She's doing Good. okay with. I mean, you know, we worked through it. But I, I, my point is this: I do it now. You you become more aware after you are made aware because of your own personal situation exactly. of, of things that go on. So we all have it. We've all had our own stuff to deal with. Mm-hmm. My point is this, if I, if it just brings awareness, that's why I participate more with other things, whether, you know, whatever financial awareness or good. just personal awareness, that's why I do it. And if I can support something like Movember, great. It's that's all it's about. So yeah, good on anyways, you. you know, I've, that, that that's my philosophy. You can't do everything, but th- I, I can grow a mustache four days, so I figured
1: I would do it. Well, we're uh, we're going to be wearing fake mullets in studio today with some of the Manchester Monarchs players for cancer awareness. So uh, we will think. Yeah, then you know, and uh, I should have done the mustache too. Imagine the mustache and the mullet. But anyhow, uh, let, let's talk some Bruins here. They they have a chance to cap off an undefeated road trip here. Uh, you know, who would have thought uh, a couple weeks back that you could be saying that, but they do. Uh, They're going up Mm -hmm. against a team, a Minnesota Wild team, that kind of laid an egg in their first game back from their road trip. Uh, So obviously they'll be hungry. What do you think of this matchup coming in right now, and what do the Bruins have to be wary of uh, with this Wild team?
0: Well, uh, the Minnesota Wild, they're a team not too dissimilar from the Bruins in the, in the sense that they're looking, you know, they're trying to figure out, maybe they're actually, I don't know about behind the Bruins, but they're at a different phase, but they're trying to change the identity, the culture, the style of the team. What did they do? They brought in a new coach last year for a few weeks, and then they bring in a new one this year in first Boudreau, They made a big splash. So mm-hmm. they're trying to decide if they want to keep the type of players that they have and, and see if they can and make a difference with the Parises and the suit, the, uh, the suitors and, 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 the Koivu's, et cetera, Charlie Coyle, and mass kid. But the problem is, Murph, on, on Minnesota, I don't really see an identity with them right now because they're not a speed demon type of team. They're not a big in-your-face physical type of team. And they're not a team that, you know, if they're not scoring, they're going to suffocate you defensively. Now, they're not bad defensively. They're not, especially with Dubik's playing as well as Yaz lately. Um, But that's part of their crisis there right now. And Bruce Boudreaux and his staff are trying to figure out, you know, where they're going to go next. And that's also part of GM Fletcher's decision. Um, This matchup, you know what? You mentioned that they didn't play well in their first game back from their road trip. They played on, what was it, Tuesday night against uh, Calgary. Um, I think Minnesota's going to be a lot better tonight. I do. Remember the last Mm. time these two teams played, that was the whole Boston Bruins, Rookie goaltender, oh my God, are you kidding me? Yeah. Situation uh, between Suban and McIntyre. And uh, Backus was hurt that game, too. Yep. Well, I want to say it's a completely throw out the window game, but it's kind of that. Kind of, you know what I mean? Um, you know, Eric Stahl's been really good for the, the Minnesota Wild, which is a good news, bad news thing. It's great that he's been good, it's bad that he's your best player. Uh, I think Parise will look to be better tonight. He was just okay in his first game back after missing injury for a while. And without David Pasternak, as you played in your bump coming in, um, that that could be an issue for the Bruins tonight.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. And, and, you know, I like what you said there, too, about the sort of the identity crisis going on there, too. Because, look, I I think Brujo's a great coach. But when they hired him, I was sort of looking at it, too, like, I don't know about the fit there, you know? Like, is that his type of roster and I, I think it's sort of sh- it shook out that way so far this season. So we'll see, you know, if that team decides to make some changes. But you look at the Bruins right now, like we just mentioned, Pasternak's out there. Nash is likely going to be taking his place on that line. Uh, in terms of fits, how do you like the way he might fit in there?
0: Well, it's, but it, the dynamic of that line obviously changes. Now, how do, maybe... Maybe, you, you never know, maybe this is the type of thing that they get a, a digger on the line, you know, because you know Bergeron is the ultimate, the ultimate two-way player, right? We always say that, and we mean it. But he only has four points right now. That really surprised me. I guess I should have, I, I don't know numbers inside out. I'm not a stats guy. I'm not against them. I just don't rememorize them. So I'm mm-hmm. doing prep yesterday, and I'm like, holy Christ, he's, he's only got two points and two assists, or two goals to assist. I'm like, where did that, you know, like I thought he had seven points maybe. My point is this: and Marshand hasn't scored for a few games, and and he's been, he's not been snake bit. He because he's been getting chances, but it's just like it's not going in like it was earlier. Maybe they just need a grind guy, a straight up and down the line guy who's a big Nash is a nice sized guy, six two or so, a little over two hundred pounds. Maybe that's what they need to get those two guys going. I'm not saying that Nash is better for that line than Posternak. So nobody out there, please start yelling at your radio, <laughs> saying that I'm saying that. I'm just saying. Maybe a change is a good thing. Yeah. Maybe for one game. And I mean, Nash at one point in Carolina last year, when he got healthy and he got in the lineup regularly, actually was averaging about a half a point a game for a long stretch. Yep. Giving. So there's a chance that maybe a straight line player, the same way that if David Back, a straight line physical player, has done nice things for David Krejci.
1: Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. I agree. I think I think they could be a fit, and I, I like the style. Yeah, both- so, yeah, you hope, and you look at it in terms of, you know, trying guys in there like that and trying to pair guys up right, I think one of sort of the underrated, uh, not reported enough stories thus far for the Bruins has been that fourth line. I mean, you look back, right, to when they broke up that Pae, uh and Thornton and, oh, boy, why am I trying to, and Campbell line and that, yeah. you know, the Merlot line, and, you know, since then, and then they missed the playoffs two straight years – and a lot of times you look at it and saying, man, that line could help a lot here. The Bruins, I'm not going to put them on the level of that line, but the Bruins right now have a pretty solid fourth line. And I think uh, Claude did a good job of reading the way those guys would, would complement each other a- and the center guy there more. I-, I think, you know, his intelligence on the ice, I think really rubs off on his line mates. He went to Harvard. What do you expect? <laughs> you know, there we go. You know, I mean, you got to get that in there, right? Yep.
0: No, I look, we've been uh, really been talking about it. We have, it, and I am not doing the, 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 uh, patting on the back thing. I'm talking just, we, you know, no, I'm good a for big you. believer in that, in that type of, of need for the team and man, oh man, they have had it. They've been, they've been great and for a long time. I'm going to say two weeks. It was the top, the Bergeron line, and it was the Moore line. And at that time, it was Nola Chari that was still playing. Right. Remember, he's out injured right now. Yep, that's been a loss for them there. Um, and, and and Timmy Schaller, and he's been in the lineup. It's been excellent. I mean, holy smokes, has he been good? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, a fourth line is part. What it does is it helps. I it helps create an identity of a team, and it gives you that one usually relentless pursuit line that helps tenderize the opposition or at least force the opposition to have to look over their shoulder when they're on the ice and they say, you know what, I might get hit here, or I might get beat by a real fast guy who's got good speed, maybe not the best skill, but he's got relentless pursuit. And we saw what happened last year with the New York Islanders with the Casey Zizekas, Matt Martin, Cal Clutterbuck line. And that's part of the reason that the Islanders have been crap this year is that they don't have that fourth line still. And they've also made some other moves, but we'll talk we can talk about that later. But point is sport lines help identify your team. They help round them in the, they, they jerry maguire your team. They help complete it. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's
1: what they do. That's the line of the day. We gotta clip that, Sully. That's perfect. And it's true. And you know, I, I I think it's an underrated thing across the league. I mean, they the energy line, that's what they're well, supposed to do, and they're giving them we, the energy.
0: Yeah, but you know what it's changed significantly and, and I think it might be underrated by the, the outside observer now, but I don't think it is by the league anymore right. because a few years ago we saw the Chicago Blackhawks go away from the typical meathead, you know, grinded out fourth line. The Bruins had that Merlot line, and while those guys could beat the snot out of you, two of the three of them at least, with Thornton and Campbell, they, they had the speed in, in Pye. They had an 11- to 12-minute game fourth line. Other lines, other teams, I mean, started making that their type of line. And actually, they got better at it than the Bruins did between 2012 and 2015. The Bruins last year tried it, didn't have as much this year. They have that kind of fourth line now.
1: Yeah, for sure. Hey, I want to bounce around the league uh, quickly before we let you go here. Um, And a lot of news that we don't really want to talk about, but it's – It's coming, and I think, you know, anyone around the hockey world or really inside the hockey world, you know, was kind of worried about it and had it in the back of their heads, and now it's coming to the forefront a little earlier than we thought, and that's the fact that uh, there's some jabs being thrown between the NHLPA and the NHL right now, the latest being the Olympics there, and then Pierre Lebrun uh, wrote about the, the whole escrow situation right now, and... I mean, really, all things right now are pointing to a work stoppage in a few years, Billy. Uh, what do they have to do to avoid that?
0: Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Go on a retreat. <laughs> have a few beers. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe if they're in Colorado where certain things are legal, enjoy some of that. Hey, Massachusetts and and now,
1: too.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Mass now, too. You're right, soon. Not yet. Soon. Not yet. Not yet, though, but... Maybe that's what they need to do, man. You, you know, it's so hard <laughs> you know. to read, isn't it? It, it, it? it is, and it would be so damn foolish if they go down that road again. But, I, yes, I know everybody in the last 48 hours, 24 hours, I guess, is writing about how there's you know, potential contention. Well, that's no secret. You know, The players hate the escrow. Yeah. They accepted it, though. Um, and not that that means that they have to deal with it or like it, but they accepted it as part of their deal um i don't know if if the nhl is going to be steadfast on cost certainty which they're not going to give that up i don't know how you get around that mm-hmm. my issue is this you know what is it going to be a real negotiation or is it just going to be my way or the highway from both sides i don't know in society and i'm not going to get on a soapbox here but we've lost the form of negotiation in almost everything we have we almost have and whether it's a business deal, uh, I mean, a relationship deal, I mean, it's almost no negotiating left anymore, and that stinks because nobody ever gets their way the whole time, but yet you figure out a way to make it worse so both sides are happy. We're not willing for both sides to be happy anymore. In the NHL, I hope, maybe they'll be the one thing out there, but history says otherwise. History says that we're going to go down a contentious road and that stinks. And what year is that? Because I need to start planning, by the way, Murph. What, what year is <laughs> that? That because is uh, make a penny when that 2020,
1: happens. my friend.
0: All right. Well, 2020. My math isn't good, but that's three and a half years. Yeah. Better start saving
1: up. I'm lining that's up a bartending fun. job for then, I'll tell you. Hey, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, to quickly, one question I got to ask. I was talking to an NHL Hall of Famer. I don't want to say his name or anything, but... You know, he was up at the Hall of Fame uh, ceremonies, and this, that was a hot topic, and a lot of people were talking about it. And he suggested, you know, he said, look, with all due respect to Donald Fear, and this is not a shot at him, it's more a shot at the Players Association for not making sure this is the case. Do you think they should have a, a former player in charge instead of somebody that really isn't connected to the game and still to this point, from, at least from an outside point of view, looks disconnected?
0: Um, how would that? I don't.
1: I. I well, his I, point I was the, that it, this is a like, like you were just what you, you were just saying about negotiating and, and finding common ground. He feels that if it was somebody that was really passionate about the game, like say a Bobby Orr, okay, uh-huh. for example, it, it it would it would help both sides find that common ground because it, it, it's it's all players, it's all guys that really have well, that direct connection to the game.
0: I, I get okay, fair enough, but but if, let's just say the side that you're dealing with, and beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? Mm-hmm. So let's you, you play that hypothetical game of having a legendary NHL player or a or a you know a very bright, well-known NH, former NHL player running the the union, getting into negotiations. If they don't like what the league is saying, they're not going to want to negotiate. They're not going to you know they're going to they, just because they love the game just because Bettman and uh, Daly say they love the game, and, and I believe that they actually do, yeah. but they also love, their, they work for the owners. Yeah, That's what they do. Mm-hmm. So they like, they, they love the game, but they also love work, they work for the owners, same way that the Players Association head does. I don't know, I don't know if that changes anything, Jimmy. I just don't, yeah. I, I'm not sure if, if it does. I think that the reality is, these guys, I understand they're worried about their side only, but if they think about how much it impacts everybody else forget me as a broadcaster i'll figure it out but there's so many other people what about the guy selling beers at td
1: garden you know or the the guy selling hot dogs right, you know
0: right right so many people get you know get caught in the web they get they get screwed over by it that it just stinks yeah it's, but but let's I, i'm not and i'm not a person that's going to bury my head in the sand but let's just Take a deep breath and figure out maybe tonight if the Bruins are going to win first yeah. instead of if we're all going to have incoming
1: in court. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, listen, we appreciate the insight, and always a pleasure, my friend. I hope to see you around the rink, all right?
0: I'll be there. Take care.
1: All right. Billy Jaffe of NHL Network and Nessen joining us. Some great stuff there. That was a clip. I hope we got it there. So we'll keep that in the uh, library for the next time we uh, bring him on here. Listen, we are going to cut to break right now. And we are going to come back and talk some football with our man Mario Magola of Sportfolio.com. Stay with us here on The stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire.
0: You're listening to The Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy right here on ESPN New Hampshire. The Apple Therapy Student Athlete of the Month is brought to you by Apple Therapy. Visit AppleTherapy.com. This is Laura Stelchik with Elise Jolly from Merrimack High School. Can you tell me a little bit about some of your activities
3: at school? I am a part of the Merrimack volleyball club. I'm on the swim team and the track and field team in the spring. I do student council.
0: What would you say the swim, lacrosse, basketball, track and field have in common? Anything? <laughs> the team atmosphere. Experiences
3: you have with each team within and the sport you find between the teams.
0: What is is it like to know that you're leaving your school that you've been so involved in with your friends and
1: all your activities to know that you're going to be leaving that are you excited we got it all
0: here on ESPN on ESPN New Hampshire
1: can play Tecmo Bowl and I'll play Super Mario. How's that sound for all you Nintendo fans out there? This is the video game... No, this is the Stretch Network. (laughs) This is the video game network, I was going to say. This is the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. And as we play that every week, it means our good friend Mario Magola is joining us. Mario from Sportfolio.com. Mario, how you doing, my friend?
3: I'm doing well, staring at a game that we could actually be excited about tonight. So That's
1: what we were just saying, man. Uh, yep. Saints and the Panthers. I like it. A big NFC South showdown. Both teams coming off very tough losses that I think they probably think they should have had. Uh, I'm I'm with you. I think this is going to be a really great game. I like the visitor, and I know you're going the opposite way.
3: Right, and what what cruel justice it is, by the way, that both teams lost for a game that now we look at it, and again, we just said it was good. This might eliminate the loser. So there's going to be at least some level of, you know, you can call it like a Game 7 feel, yeah. or even better than that, actually a wild card game to get in, where the loser of this is probably out of the playoff picture. At least if it's Carolina, that would be the case. They'd fall to 3-7. and seven. But we actually have a, have a really good matchup on paper, which is exciting. But the shame is what you just said. They, they both lost probably the two worst games that I've seen this entire season. (laughs) I I, I like checking this number a lot. Pro Football Reference has a a good breakdown throughout the game of win probability, and I don't always follow it in the sense that it's a definite, right? Right. But both of these teams had 95% win probabilities at one point in the fourth quarter last week, and both of them lost. Wow. And it's honestly, it's hard to say which loss is worse. Carolina led by 14 in the fourth quarter, they led 17-6 to six and had the ball, and they threw a pick-six. And then, obviously, everything, everything just fell apart from there. And the Saints had as much of a win as you'll ever get. They scored the touchdown. They're going for an extra point that, at worst, even if it, if it hits a fan, yeah.
1: they go to overtime, right? Yeah, I know. And
3: instead, it's blocked in return for, for whatever, two-point, yeah. whatever you want to call it, right? So
1: both of them coming in with a sour taste in their mouth. Why do you like the Panthers to, uh, to get that taste out of theirs?
3: So as well as both teams are playing, and you look at where the improvements are, both teams have improved defensively a lot. I mean, the Saints were giving up 33, almost 34 points a game. They're now giving up just under, uh, sorry, 24 now, right? So okay. it's about a 10-point drop. But the Panthers were giving up 29 points a game. They're only giving up 17. They have not allowed more than 20 points in their last three games. I know their level of competition and the opponent definitely comes into play. But they did play the Cardinals. They did play the Chiefs and the Panthers' defense is coming from a much higher point. They were ranked sixth in the league last year. They obviously lost Josh Norman. It has taken a long time for them to get back to form. But if you look at where each team started, the foundation, falling as far as both teams did, I think Carolina is just the easier rebound right now. The Saints, I mean, honestly, they broke our hearts last week. Me and you both felt this was their chance to step in again and yeah. prove that they're, that they're there. They're not. Yeah. So I'm still leaning towards Carolina being that team that isn't done yet. Now, okay. we might change our mind in, in two or three weeks. The numbers may not be there.
1: Right. But I
3: think Carolina, just based on its defensive improvement, it's just, it's, right now it's the better team.
1: We shall see, my friend. I'm leaning the other way, but I'm, right. I'm hesitantly doing that because the Saints, as we know, aren't the best road team, especially exactly. in a big game like this. But we'll see what happens. Uh, another game you're looking at is the Baltimore Ravens at the Dallas Cowboys. And like we said, you know how can we not talk about the Cowboys after what they did last week?
3: Right, and, and honestly, I wanted to put this on there as a kudos to you. You did go against me on this one. You were right. Uh, you deserve the credit on it. But, I appreciate it. And, I'll, give you, and I'll, I'll put a button there, and it's not even sour grapes here. I think both of us won and lost that game at the same time last week. I mean, <laughs> I mean how, do you, how do you watch the finish of that and think that either team definitively won? I feel like they both lost, and then they both won. And it's, it, what Dallas is doing is just unbelievable. Yeah. They have actually lost two of their last three games but the record doesn't say that they trailed by 10 to Philadelphia in the fourth quarter. And I don't even know what, what time you want to pick that they were trailing to Pittsburgh last week. And yet they're eight and one and even more amazing. They're eight and zero against the spread in their last eight games. That is, it's unheard of yeah. to be that good for so long. What I finally like is that Dallas is not in a position for a trap. They're not, they're not only given a few points like last week, they were getting points. I thought that was a beautiful trap. They're actually giving by most, by most places, a touchdown which is a lot of points. So now, now they're saying, okay, you've gotten our attention, you've earned it, win big. And they, they, they can, but they're also playing the league's best defense from Baltimore. And I actually think that this is, this is a harder test for Dallas going up against Baltimore's defense than it is Baltimore going up against Dallas. I yeah. do think that Dallas is just better in the end because Baltimore's offense just isn't there. But I don't see this being another, another cakewalk. And – What I really like to look at, Dallas next week is home for Thanksgiving against the Redskins, which is a big,
1: big division game. Yep,
3: I don't think they fall asleep, but you can't tell me that that they're looking at the Ravens and not peeking around the corner at the Redskins.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that for sure. I think that's going to be an interesting game for sure. Uh, the Ravens, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of see this as a little trap there. They could go in there and sneak up on them, but we shall see. Eagles at Seahawks, uh, you think this is a prime example of overreaction. Why is that?
3: Last week, you basically, inequivocally, could not find someone that wanted the Seahawks, that expected the Seahawks to beat the Patriots, right? Mm-hmm. Even, if, even with the points being as big as they were, it seems like everybody was against Seattle. People were just not buying into how good the Seahawks are. In an instant, and I'm talking like the end of that game. Now everyone's back with Seattle. It, it just seems like such a real, real quick case of everyone jumping back on a bandwagon that they had a, that they had abandoned. And there's perfect evidence of this. It doesn't happen a lot. The spread open at four and a half, and within I, I don't know how quickly, but almost instantly jumped to six and a half. Wow. And that is. I remember last week we talked about a little bit about spread movement there's a reason for this one. When you could pinpoint a reason why, you're in a better position. The reason is everybody that was against Seattle last week saw what they did to New England and is now buying back in, which also means that nobody that was against Philadelphia last week, which was, again, the majority, did not buy into what they did against Atlanta. And that's, that's saying something. Atlanta's a very good offense. Philadelphia shut them down. Now, just like the, the, the Cowboys example, Seattle's very good. I do think Seattle's going to win this game at home. But you see that that spread jump that big, and you could basically pinpoint it to everyone moving from against Seattle to for Seattle, and you just you just see that Philadelphia is getting ignored again with a fantastic defense. So I actually think that a great NFC matchup and a really good example of how people's mindsets tend to tend to move and tend to move the number two. Of course, so I, I like I like Philadelphia to cover.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, and it's a. It has so so much letdown written all over it. I, exactly. Like, I'm with you on that. I think maybe Seattle wins, but I'm with you. I don't think they cover. Right. Uh, finally, Monday night, fo- uh, Sunday night football rather. Packers are at the Redskins. Uh, this is a rematch of last year's playoff game. Who are you liking here?
3: I actually like the same exact thing that happened last year because it's the same setup. Packers come in limping. Redskins have won a few games. They they look again like a surprisingly good team. It's another example of everyone is now ready to buy into Washington. Like, okay. We keep wanting to wait for Kirk Cousins to fail. He doesn't. They win. We jump on board, and then the Packers come in and just wipe them out. I don't think they're going to wipe them out that easily this year. But it, it does have, again, the writing on the wall that like Green Bay's lost. They have lost three straight games. They lost to the Falcons, who are excellent. They lost to the Titans, who coach you will. I'm not ready to call that a trap game. I think the Titans are actually good. Their bad loss was to the Colts
1: mm-hmm. at home,
3: and whatever you want to call it, the fourth loss before that, the last loss before those three games, was Dallas, who's like, excellent. So you look at what we like to say a stinking Packers team, but they're really not. They just played a bunch of tough competition with no running back, by the way, who now they have back, James Starks, and uh, they just signed Kristen Michael, who was formerly with Seattle, who kind of fits the, the, the mold of like an Eddie Lacy type. And all of a sudden, Washington's run defense, which is bad, is you have an avenue there. You have an avenue for Green Bay to take, it, to take advantage. So I don't think they blow them out, but I do think the Packers stop the bleeding. They're that you know, perennial winner. So I'm not ready yet to have Washington be the class of the NFC by knocking off the Packers on a primetime game.
1: Well, I'm going to go the other way, my friend, and just really? like uh, the overrated Hillary couldn't make it in Washington, the overrated Packers will not make it in Washington interesting. either.
3: Interesting, It's interesting. <laughs> so you are literally jumping on the bandwagon and switching sides.
1: Uh, right not there. the band. I just, I just can't stand the Packers, and I, I love seeing them suffer right now. It's
3: fair enough, and you've actually said that to me before. Yeah, so. so this, this- this is this nothing is more new. more pain. If they lose yeah,
1: it. exactly. Let Aaron feel the pain because right. uh, he he was given too much love when he didn't deserve <laughs> it in my eyes. But listen, always a pleasure, my friend. Yep. We'll, we'll keep following you on sportfolio.com, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much. All right, that's Mario Magola joining us here on The Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. I am your host, Jimmy Murphy. Justin Sullivan's working the boards. One hour down, two to go. And Mike Giardi of CSNNE.com will join us next to talk about the New England Patriots and the San Francisco 49ers matchup on Sunday. I had to
0: leave home, knew I couldn't stick around